Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Quarantine on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And th- at home, as we usually are when we record these podcasts. Very true. Uh, a lot has happened in the past two weeks. It's insane how much the world can change in two weeks. Yeah, I remember the last intro we recorded. Um, we were talking about going to see some movies, all of the movies we had planned to see. I'm almost positive I said, you know what? Looks a little scary out there right now. I'm seeing a movie every weekend until it's over. Yeah, I think we were planning, you know, like on the cusp of this thing. I think we recorded like two Tuesdays ago, which is eons in terms of where the world is right now. Uh, and since then, Quiet Place 2 has been pushed back. We did not see the hunt in theaters. We were going to, um, but that did not work out. And we've seen it on VOD now. So there's some some crazy changes afoot. Yeah, we um we try to keep Nightmare on Film Street as untopical as possible. We just want this to be a bit of escapism for you. If you're looking for entertainment, this is supposed to just be an hour of fun talk about your favorite horror movies, maybe some of your least favorite horror movies, who knows. Um, but we do try and record some of these in advance. So. Yeah, and especially leading up, I mean, this was going to be a big festival season for us, so we do have quite a backlog of content yeah um because we've been recording in advance because i mean up until two weeks ago we were planning on hitting the road in the spring so we do have a lot of episodes coming up including this episode that are tonally quite light <laughs> quite yeah. light-hearted free and fun i think this was either recorded during the christmas break or mid-january so it there is some talk about freedom. <laughs> free, yeah, there's the discussion of leaving the house. We even so we, uh, we should take a moment to say that uh, you know in a continuation of our no one can hear you scream month at, at nofspodcast.com we are talking about two space movies. We're going into the wild wild space. We're talking about Pitch Black and John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars, a movie that you will soon hear we celebrate for its amazing story ability to talk about a invisible virus that goes from town to town, wiping out entire populations. 
seems a little tone deaf if we had have recorded this <laughs> yeah it's <just> recently <laughs> not the right mood but you know it was recorded in a simpler time and hopefully hopefully it's something that you can laugh at and in a few months from now we'll just seem like regular old content yeah, but leading into this, we haven't had a lot of time to do horror-specific things because the world is pretty terrifying. Um, but in terms of news and highlights, um, we did just find out today as of recording that Stuart Gordon passed away, which is very sad. We're definitely going to be loading up some reanimator and from beyond tonight i think shutter's actually doing a live stream tonight oh that's really cool yeah early i think they're just throwing them on like shutter tv so we'll probably be checking that out yeah i mean castle freak i saw for the first time recently and that movie's incredible but Stuart gordon Stuart gordon well first off it is very strange how we've gotten very used to waking up to just bad news every morning and you know something like this is still always never good to hear yeah uh it's it's super sad but i mean in, in terms of celebrating his life and the the work that he is known for uh Stuart gordon is a master of horror certified card carrying master of horror <laughs> and like one of the the biggest accomplishments i think he ever had was filming the unfilmable like when you think of lovecraft you think of Stuart Gordon movies. In terms of budget, too, like, it's impossible to get the scope of some of the monsters and the lore he created. Yeah. Which, I mean, Stuart Gordon was able to do. Yeah, and time and time again. Like, he just constantly went back to that. And th those are some of the staple movies, some of the staple horror films of the 1980s. And, I, I you know, we have a poster of Reanimator in this room right now. It's... It's one of my favorite horror movies ever. I think it's amazing, and I'm very much looking forward to watching it uh, in a celebration of of his of his work. Mm -hmm. If this for some, you know, like we're we're a little all over the place right now. If this is your first episode of Nightmare on Film Street, typically we just ask each other a very simple question, easy to answer, unless you know you're in weird times like this. But Kim. What's keeping you creepy this week? Uh, well, I had to leave the house today to go get groceries. No, sure. <laughs> um, but seriously, uh, we did finally get the opportunity to see The Hunt. We were able to rent it because uh, Universal Studios and a bunch of the major studios have released their in-theater, supposed to be in-theater movies on VOD. We rented The Hunt, which we got to see. We got to watch um, The Invisible Man again, which was great. Yeah. The Hunt was really fun. I had a great time Yeah, it. I thought it was much more enjoyable than I was anticipating. The action scenes were really great. Um, is it Betty? Betty Gilpin? Yes, Betty Gilpin. She is wonderful. Incredible I in love her. Kicks so much ass. Yeah. The only thing, my only issue with it is, is for a movie that's um, branded so political and is so political on its face, I don't know if it necessarily had a message or a point. Yeah, I mean, I think it tries to serve every audience it can. It plays by... pretty safe. Yeah. Uh, not that I was necessarily going to this movie to like expect to be punched in the face with a political message, but I was expecting to be punched in the face with a political message. I mean, I'm happy I wasn't really punched in the face. With but a I wasn't. Message. I wasn't punched in the face with any message. That's true. <laughs> there were some great gags and some just amazing fight sequences. Definitely go to see Betty Gilpin just destroy everybody that comes near her. She's amazing in it, and even when she's not fighting, she has just got this. She's such a cool ass character who doesn't trust anybody, knows that it's her against the world, and, and you just see that in all of her actions, even just in how she talks, how she carries herself. It was a lot of fun, you know, in, in terms of sitting at home. 
uh, and, and watching a movie that you were hoping to see in the theater that you wanted to talk about on the podcast and, you know, unfortunately couldn't. Something I've noticed in myself, in my Letterboxd ratings, I don't know if it's just that I've got a lot of time to watch movies that I haven't had the time to watch in the last little while, but almost every movie I've watched has been like four stars, five stars, <laughs> five stars, like, and just like glowing reviews for me. I don't know if I'm just like so happy to be at home watching movies right now. I think or... you're just grateful for art. You're just That's like, I'm is. so proud That's of people for it. making this content for me. Yep. Oh yeah, I've been I've been burning through the Criterion channel. So if you want a few recommendations on their genre films, just head over to Letterboxd, I guess. Or you could tweet at them, but like prepare for it to ne- never end. Oh, it will not end. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, in terms of what th- what things are happening at Nightmare on Film Street, though, we we plan to continue status quo for I mean as long as we feasibly can. Absolutely. Uh, episodes of this podcast are going to drop regularly every other Thursday as they normally do. Um, we're also ramping up our live streaming and such. We've been playing Friday the Thirteenth the game. Basically, anytime we feel like it, we'll hop on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Nightmare on Film Street. We try to tweet out beforehand so we can catch some usernames so we can play with you guys. We play on PlayStation 4. If you happen to have a system and you want to play with us, just uh, keep your ear to the ground for that. We also are doing a watch-along live stream thanks to uh, Netflix Party every Friday night with our Patreon supporters to thank them for sticking with us through this difficult time. Um, So that's every Friday night at 9. 9 p.m. Eastern. We're picking a new movie on Netflix that's available hopefully across the pond, but at least in Canada and the U.S. And we're chatting along and watching movies live. It's it, We did our first one last week and it was super fun. Yeah, we watched Creep 2. It was great. We had a little poll going on, on Patreon. We don't tell them... Uh, we don't tell you guys what we're what we're watching ahead of time, but we do make sure that it's available for as many people as possible. Um, and you know they they had picked a slasher slash you know human killer, so we watched Creep Two. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure what we're watching this Friday. We haven't made that decision. I think yet. right now on the poll, horror comedy is winning. That sounds it's right s- now. Supernatural is is close in the second place. Ooh, I like Supernatural too. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we could find one that's both. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> and if, if we do stick with Netflix originals, should be available for most people everywhere. Yeah. Speaking of Patreon, though, I want to give a huge shout out to our most recent supporters, Josh, Stephen, Karen, Alec, buckle up, Alex, Sarah, Nichols, Nicholas, Michael S., Len, Benjamin, Phil, Christian, Michael K., and Meg. Thank you all so much for your continued support here at Nightmare on Film Street. Um, you know, as as I'm sure everybody is experiencing our our main source of income is gone so your support means more than ever right now and i'm very happy to know that the 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 content that we have been producing for the last few years is available there for you in this time where you maybe really need it um so if you're looking for hours of distractions Hours of oh, we got distractions. Oh, we got distractions for you. You want to hear two idiots talking about movies? We've been doing it for years, Uh, and you can find all of that over at Patreon.com/slash Nightmare on Film Street. But thank you all so much to everybody that has uh, all of our new patrons, all of our longtime patrons, and everybody listening to this episode. You know, if if you think there's somebody out there who's having a hard time. Um, it just wants to laugh along to some fellow-minded fiends. By all means, please share this with them. It doesn't cost anything, and and I'm really happy and glad for that right now. <laughs> but enough from our sad sack present-day selves. Ugh. Let's kick it back to past Kim and John, who 
All they wanted to watch were some cheesy sci-fi space movies. Coming up first, we're talking about 2000's cult classic, Wild Wild West favorite, Wild Wild Space favorite, Pitch Black. All you people are so scared of me. But it ain't me you gotta worry about now. Whatever it is, it got Zeke and it nearly got me! Get it off me! They seem to stick to darkness. So if we stick to daylight, we should be all right. everybody out here. Pitch Black from 2000, currently sitting at a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 59% on Rotten Tomatoes, 49% on Metacritic, 2 out of 4 from Roger Ebert, and a 3.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. It's pretty high for Letterboxd. This is a pretty beloved movie, I, I think. It is. So I was I was just the reading... smile on your face <laughs> right now. I was just reading the, um, the IMDb trivia while I was waiting for you to be ready, and... Uh, there were some like really niche nerdy things like just what? like I don't know just like how Vin Diesel pulled a muscle in one scene and where he oh. had a panic attack and like what? that he accidentally dislocated his arm no <laughs> by accident there's no, no way he actually there's no way he actually did that well it said that there were some enhancements for the film but he did actually you mean do like that. two arms <laughs> like, like two CG arms oh my yeah it was it was a little freaky in there i was just like whoa you guys are fangirling hard in here yeah um totally gonna admit though saw this in theaters when it came out that's funny 2000 i was 11 and i loved it (laughs) this was definitely a like a video store rental for me oh man this was my shit i think i rented it more than once yeah it was probably one of my first like spooky movies in the theater and i just fucking loved it i'm sure it was great monsters and like rudick was such a badass i'm glad you brought that up is it hard to see him as like a scary person now um because i can't like when i when i watch this like rudick is not an intimidating character i don't think he ever was though i remember just thinking he was so cool uh like i never I don't know, like, he was a criminal, but, like, was he? And now you just can't not think about how he used to play Dungeons and Dragons oh with Paul Walker. Oh, my God. And his, <laughs> his, his dancing? Instagram videos? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, his dancing is so good. Oh, he just seems so happy. Yeah, he looks like a super genuine nice guy. <laughs> oh, and, oh, boy, Riddick. <laughs> you know, I 
my 12 year old mind really glossed over the level of cheese that was in this movie. It was 2001, I, 2000? I, <laughs> 2000, yeah. We weren't, there was no cheese filter yet. Yeah, I just, I watched this movie with like, oh, totally 100% dark, cool, badass film, no cheese whatsoever, rose colored glasses. Oh, yeah. Re watching, I was like, Kim, I don't know if you remembered this as it was. <laughs> yeah, now you got like those blue cheese covered glasses because like this movie has a hue across oh, the whole fucking boy. thing. And it's it changes depending on what sun we're under. Um, you're either getting like full red, full blue, or then there's the those night effects. But yeah, they went full palette. Like they weren't just like, let's just tinge. They were just like, no, let's just blew the whole screen. It's like those scenes in Cube where the, the room is now a different color and it just changes like the entire atmosphere. And your eyes need to adjust. Yeah, and whatever color they were using did not mesh well with the green screen behind them. I think that's probably it, right? Like it's just it's just a matter of technology. And we watched, we, we rented an HD version of this movie. So Wasn't we it also the director's cut? Too. Yeah, that was not something I needed. It was like <laughs> unrated director's cut. Extra like, six minutes of Riddick jokes. <laughs> oh, like of pitch black? I don't I don't know if I need this. Oh boy. Um there were some really good visuals though. Like I know we're gonna knock uh the color palette a little bit just because, you know, to 2020 eyes, the early SFX aren't the greatest. Whatever. And the yeah, it's just a little it's just a little bleached out with color. It's got that late nineties editing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but there are there were some cool shots. So yes, there were some weird stutters and stuff and some some fun, interesting cuts with that. But there's this one shot, especially after we find out that there are two moons where it's almost like a fisheye lens. I really enjoyed that. Oh yeah, where they're like they're just walking across the desert. Area. Yeah, they and they awesome. They did a really good job scoping out finding a desert that was actually vast enough for them to do a lot of those shots we get a like a landscape view of everybody and there was a little bit of a convoy like a few of them survived so they would need a pretty substantial set or shooting space to be able to do that i mean modern day now you can just edit out houses in the background but were they editing out stuff in 2000 i don't know there are scenes in interstellar i don't know why this just came to mind okay yep yep space <laughs> there are scenes in interstellar that were shot in a parking lot like scenes where it's like oh matthew mcconaughey walking across this foreign planet full of rocks and it's just <laughs> it's just a parking lot like there's like a gravel section of the parking lot because like they got rained out somewhere else and christopher nolan was just like fuck it we're shooting here <laughs> we're not losing the day that's pretty great that is great and such ingenuity was also used in the making of 2000's pitch black <laughs> Now, I, I think we should say, too, I, I'm not familiar with any of the sequels. I've seen one of the other sequels. You have? And I saw it in the theater. You did? It was not what I wanted it Can to be. Can you tell? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I think it's a prequel. Um, it's a prequel? They, they wanted to see Vin Diesel's eyes, Kim. Is that so? That's the newest one, then? Cause I, maybe it's not a prequel. Because the second one occurs... Well, he's on the lamb after he gets off the planet. Okay, well, that's the one I've seen. The Chronicles of Riddick. Oh. Also. Well, it's not a prequel. <laughs> okay, my mistake. Have you seen that one? Jack is in it. The little boy. Is he? Uh, okay. Yeah, I've seen that one. Um, I remember the bad guys. Sh it's kind of oh, like. Keith a David's in it, too. Is he? Yeah. Okay. I'm starting to think I haven't seen it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a third one, so and I don't know anything about the third one. Nope. So. Yeah, oh. and a fourth one coming. 
Is there? Yeah, according to Letterboxd. There's a poster. It's it's attached, Vin Diesel. The poster is just him looking over his shoulder and then number four beside his face. Wow. <laughs> Same director for all of them. This has been his franchise. Yeah, he wrote them too. That's crazy. Yeah, apparently Riddick spawned from like an Alien 3 spec script. What? Yeah, about like being- Is that the prison that he escapes from? Well, I mean like quote unquote, like that's- uh, I guess. Okay. Well, and, <laughs> yes, John. <laughs> I'm going off. I'm going off trivia and Wikipedia here, so like that's why everything's gotten apparently. Got apparently, it. Vin Diesel dislocated his arm. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I've heard. And apparently, he pulled a muscle. Um, oh, yeah. And really he had a claustrophobia attack. Okay, I'm gonna stop. Was there anything more than just those three points? Those are the only ones I got it. That, was, that were important to me. I was I was making a point. Now I've forgotten what it was. You're unfamiliar with the other films, but you love this one. No. Nope. Same director. Right. Um, but the director, he did write them all, so. Cool. Oh, yeah. Riddick was supposed to be a woman, apparently. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, there was all just right. like a bunch of different changes between drafts, so pretty cool. I'm into it. Riddick is supposed to be the most dangerous person in the galaxy, right? Like, isn't that like, kinda? he's kind of like the non-cartoon version of Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. Like, don't <laughs> let him get out of his chains. <laughs> That's so funny because, uh, They're the same movie. So, yes. Uh, my comparison was that this movie was just a very serious version of Futurama. Because they're basically like a carrier ship that happens to have passengers. And the pilot's <laughs> name is Fry. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's all coming together now. So this is Lilo and Stitch and Futurama. Wow. With Vin Diesel. <laughs> it works. That is so funny. So Vin Diesel Riddick is supposed to be the most dangerous person in the galaxy. And they're, you know, they're, they're, they're sending him like regular mail version. <laughs> Like they rather just put than a you, warning stamp on yeah, it. Yeah, like rather than, than sending them like DHL or FedEx overnight, like whatever that version of space travel is. Yeah, they just put them like regular mailbag because um, <laughs> it's taken an eternity to get there. It takes oh, so much longer, so much more time for things to go wrong. The voiceover stuff is bizarre. Like the fact that it's narrated by Vin I Diesel. like it. <laughs> I mean, it's his greatest bit of voiceover work since the Iron Giant. And I think we'll all agree on that. You're not a big Iron Giant fan. Not eh? really. Yeah, that's okay. Just wasn't part of my childhood. You you didn't love Vin Diesel's performance in that? The pathos behind that character going rock. Oh, it's genius, Kim. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so meteors uh destroy the ship, and in a very like not intense couple of minutes, a couple uh, the the pilot wakes up and the um driver of the ship that would be the pilot <laughs> well look the pilot like the captain the, the, yeah those are two the different captain things. and the pilot okay so yep. the captain and the pilot wake up Take two. and they're like oh fuck they really like calmly without being you know afraid for their lives because they're still on the clock i have a different memory of these land scenes. the ship <laughs> okay my mind you fry the pilot yeah does want to disengage half the ship and kill 40 people <laughs> yeah they're spinning out of control she's got to lose all that extra weight but don't you think she's so chill while they're like burning up in this mystery planet's atmosphere everybody's a little chill like the and the, so when the windshield smashes do you call it a windshield the space sure. ship's 
windshield. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all I've got. It like implodes with fiery heat. And she just like, oh, it's windy. How am I supposed to drive? First question is like, oh, so I guess it's just an oxygen atmosphere. That was lucky. Yeah. Because yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't know anything about this planet because, uh, spoiler alert, it's going to have nocturnal monsters. But they're just like, ooh, fresh. <laughs> that's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, like that was fucking lucky. Yeah, could have gone a lot worse. Could have gone a lot worse. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, as far as they're concerned, it's almost as though it's just an inconvenience. Like, oh, flat tire. Like, oh, the oxygen is a little bit less than we're used to. We're going to have to have these like weird huffer packs. Yeah, there were a few scenes where people were just like, oh, feels like I've been walking up a flight of stairs. Let's never mention this again. (laughs) Yeah, like Especially while we're fighting for our lives. running through the dark and Riddick's just carrying like pounds of batteries. Oh yeah. Uh, those were good times. <laughs> I heard that sigh. <laughs> it's like, are you reminiscing about a movie we just watched? <laughs> I'm thinking about it now. It has a lot more in comparison to The Hills Have Eyes than like National Lampoon's Vacation. And? Um, 30 Days of Night. Okay, good point. Very oh. true. In fact, both of the movies that we're going to be talking about today are kind of 30 Days of Night movies. Are so 30 Days of Night movies. We really could have probably better paired 30 Days of Night with this movie. We still might. Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll find another 30 Days of Night movie. Like eight years from now. There's definitely a direct video sequel. What did we do sequel. 30 Days of Night with? We did it with 28 Days Later. Oh, right. As part of our countdown to the extinction. That was pretty good. So ship lands. Mm-hmm. And then... They're so chill because they have no water or anything. All they have is booze. They're like, we should go walk through the desert and try to find some water. Like, okay. Uh, I think we're just supposed to assume this is far enough in the future that, like, they have planned for this eventuality, or at least they know what to do. Do they, though? Because they feel, I feel like nobody is really that concerned. There's just, like, not a full level of risk in this movie that's... I, I enjoy it because it's cheesy, but also people do die, but also they didn't have any water in a desert. Yeah, but a good chunk of the group is has faith in God. And, that <laughs> and alcohol. Yeah, that's true. There is enough alcohol that you can just drink those problems away. Which is the, uh, the, the last thing you actually want to be doing. Yes, but it's a really nice Shiraz. And, is that a name? Is that a type of one? Yeah, that's okay, correct. Yeah, it's and very, he does say Shiraz. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, it's, it's very nice. It's very expensive, he says. What is he bringing back? He's just like loaded with... A, I think he's just a tourist, and he just brought like... It seems like he's... A bunch of alcohol. I think it's like a, uh, a tomb or something that he's got filled. Like, he's got artifacts and also poos. That might be space tourism. I don't even know what year it is. Because there's like some serious intergalactic in, intergalactic travel happening. The um, Keith David, who is like an Islamic. Imam. Is it like a. Imam. Okay. I was going to say priest, preacher. <laughs> you can say that. It's called an imam. Faith, gentle sir. And his younger disciples are going to New Mecca, is all they call it. So I just yeah. assume there's this wonderful, lush planet somewhere that that has been, like, claimed by the religious groups. I mean, it's an interesting idea because, you know, here on Earth, we do have the pilgrimage to Mecca that you're supposed to take once in a lifetime. And once you introduce interplanetary travel... You're just expanding the trip. Yeah, like there's got to be a new Mecca. There's a bigger, blacker rock somewhere. <laughs> we got to go walk around it. And then 
we have Riddick and who we think is a police officer, but then it turns out he's like a bounty hunter of sorts, and he's turns out to be like the big bad. He's also a big heroin addict. <laughs> yeah, I love his I love his justification when she catches him taking morphine, and he's like, "Look, you have a little morning coffee. I have a little morning morphine. There's no difference. Like, there's no difference. <laughs> like, okay, there's zero difference between morphine and caffeine. I like it. It's a cool little line, whatever. But um, I don't know why he's a morphine addict, other than I guess that just starts to start. That starts to sort of sow the seeds of him being the big bad. Like, yeah, well, just that he's... Good guys don't do drugs. No, especially not cops. No. But he is only, he's definitely only ever high and affected by drugs while he's doing them. And as soon as he gets up and gets to the rest of the group, sober again. <laughs> it never... That's what addicts are like, John. Oh, shit. That's, that's right. I was gonna be like, they hide in plain sight. <laughs> they like, hide in plain that's sight. not... No, that's not what you wanted to say, Kim. They're but it's just like they're functioning. Thank yeah. you. That was... Oh. <laughs> he occasionally gets the shakes. Riddick points it out. That's about it. Yeah, so while they're off on their water trip, they discover, like, an abandoned base sort of thing. There's some some signs of previous life, including a fully intact spaceship. It's a little old, about 21 years to be precise. You remembered this? Oh, God. Wow. It's a very important plot point, John. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Thanks. Yeah. And they need battery cells, which are way back at crash landing site. So, easy peasy movie plot. We gotta go pick up. I think it's like five battery cells from crash site A and bring them to new old ship B. Yeah, those battery cells are super duper heavy, but it's no big deal. We, we got, got this... solar car. Yeah, I got this little dune buggy here powered by the sun. It's never going down. There's three of them, right? But then they go to the space lesson room. Space lesson room. Yes, where okay. there's the big giant diorama. Yep. <laughs> that warns them that... Oh, this this planet's super cool. It's got two suns. We're going to have a lot of blue lighting and a lot of red lighting. It's going to be super great. You've seen some of it. There's more to come. But also, there's a solar eclipse happening in less than an hour. <laughs> and there's nocturnal monsters in the ground. Like I said, it ain't me you got to worry about. It's pretty great. And that's where... Pitch Black becomes horror movie worthy enough to talk about on this podcast. Yeah, before this, it's just like, it's Like, why are they talking about Vin Diesel so much? It's the flight of the phoenix on just a desert planet. That's really all it is. There's a lot, there's a lot of monsters in this movie. They're like bat things? What would you call them? Like bat dinosaurs. Sure. Batasaurs. Bat. Almost like hammerhead sharks too. Bat, dinosaur, hammerhead shark. That's my description. I'm familiar with the species. Before they even get into full darkness, though, they just let Riddick out. They're just like, you be good because we're going to treat you like a substandard human being for a bit and make you like tag along the group because we don't trust you. But you're free. Do you think it was a bad idea to keep him locked up the whole time? Like, I, okay, I get it. He becomes well. The he's hero. like the hero. But let's 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 just let's just look at this from the perspective of we've got this crazy prisoner. Everybody knows about him. He's like the Bonnie with no Clyde. He's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other way around. <laughs> he's a big bad guy. Can't trust him whatsoever. He'll kill you just as soon as he looks at you. He is is 
then there isn't totally really a big thing right? about letting him out either. Like, it's just like they just do it. And because more than anything, he just represents money. Like he's an investment of time because he's going to return him for the bounty and have as much morphine as he wants for the rest of his life. But when they do release him, it's not even because they know that he's going to be of like extreme value. There isn't a huge conversation. It's like, well, he does have those fucked up eyes, which might be beneficial in this scenario. Perhaps we should like free him and then be nice to him. He's also just crazy strong. Like, yeah, help us lift stuff, man. <laughs> well, they do get him to do like remedial work. They're like, go check out the barn. Go do this thing. And they kind of hate him at first. Like they don't walk with him. They're mean to him. They don't trust him. I think for the most part, at least the on the crew side, they're just scared of him more than anything. But then why? So if they think he's this super evil murderer, they should just leave him tied up and let the nocturnal monsters eat him. Okay, so that answers my question. You would have just kept him tied up. Oh. Well, if he was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he wasn't so dreamy, then yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think I see it from the opposite direction. Um, one, I don't find him dreamy. Uh, <laughs> but that's just personal preference. <laughs> uh, he's not my preference. <laughs> And, uh, and I just appreciate the cheese of it all. This movie really wants you to fucking love Riddick. And we do. We just eat it up because we're just like, yeah, give me more of those one-liners. Looks clear. <laughs> I said it looks clear. Well, what's it look like now? Looks clear. Smiles at me with your weird eyes. <laughs> Fashion a knife out of a bone and cut off a piece of my hair while I'm not looking. You know, every Why did girl's he do dream. That? <laughs> I don't know. Also, we still love him even at the end when he runs away from the few survivors that are left and powers up the ship and fully plans on leaving without them. I think it's great. I think it's great not just because, oh, we shouldn't have trusted him. You know, like this the story about the old lady and the snake. Like, you knew I was a fucking snake when you let me in. Like, why are you surprised when I bit you 50 years later or something, right? Like, I was always a snake. Um, yeah, we all know that parable. Okay. All of us. <laughs> Everyone here. To be honest, that's why I didn't just bring it up and, and walk away from it. I kind of explained it a little there. Thank you. I think you get the story. I do. I get, I get it. The snake ate her, I guess. <laughs> The snake, yeah, the snake's poison is it better. Oh. And apparently he told her that he was a snake first. Okay, fuck. So it's the opposite <laughs> of like the, the lion with a thorn in his paw, basically, where it's just like, oh, this big tough thing is just in pain. So the lion doesn't, help. doesn't bite him at the end? No, that's how that story always goes. Like the, the lion was- I all, didn't know the, that the, parable the, either. Good God. <laughs> the, the, okay, I guess this is just how all of my life lessons were taught to me, but- <laughs> Yeah, the idea is she's... So you actually got birds and bees, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Literal birds and bees. Anyway, like that's... I love that part of the story because, yeah, Riddick is is in it for himself, always. Like, he is a good guy and he's got a nice heart and stuff, I guess. But that's, you know, only so much as is beneficial to him. Riddick is a nice guy and all. Like, he, he is the hero. He saves the day. But he is looking out for himself... First and foremost, of course. And for him at the end to do what comes natural and just look out for himself makes sense for his character. But it's also so genius because it plays off Fry, who tried to do the exact same thing. Like, she has this guilt throughout the whole movie because they know she tried to kill all 40 of them. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know why she confided that in, in I Officer know. Dickhead. Right? <laughs> Wrong guy to talk to. The first opportunity he got was like, guess who tried to kill you all? <laughs> yeah, don't worry, your secret's safe with me. Hey, everybody, we found battery cells and also a horrible human being. <laughs> and I mean, Riddick, Riddick knows what her thought process was there. He understands that decision. And even if he died there, he would understand it. He wouldn't be happy about it, but he, he, you would know what happened. He gets what's going on. And he's able to use that against her. And like, we have so much character development happening between the two of them in just like this quick little scene where we realize how far she's come and how he, you know, we, we thought that this guy had come just as far as she did, but is still back in his old comfortable ways. But he still overcomes them. Like, Yeah, I think in that scenario where he does decide to just go off and like finish the trek on his own because they've run out of light is more out of habit than a conscious decision. Yeah. Like, I think he's on autopilot at that point, and then when Fry comes to confront him and they have that weird little showdown where he's like, okay, I'll come help you. I'm actually a good guy. It's just him actively deciding to be good because being good is the whole point in this is that being good isn't the easy choice it is the conscious effort to be good and so like doing what's easy is the instinct yeah yeah you know it's it's so funny that this is all simplified best in the movie deadpool (laughs) um Mm -hmm. where he says being good you don't wake up a superhero you don't go you don't have breakfast as a superhero and go do your you know to-do list as a superhero being good is just small choices you occasionally have to make like just a little decision like you don't you're not the big good guy every day all day it's just for like a quick second you just gotta be the good guy in order to always be seen as the good guy and like riddick will always be the good guy because when it mattered he made one little difference in his character yeah like the instance where they were going through that weird like lion king bone graveyard (laughs) and uh jack the kid almost hits her head on the on the elephant remains and he just tells her to duck just so it's like a tiny little moment like it's just him being like cocky and adorable because that's who riddick is um but that's a good guy move that's like a cocky nice good guy move you are eating this fucking movie up. I <laughs> like, and that's fine. I'm glad you like it. You don't like Riddick. I don't like Riddick. <laughs> no, I don't. Like, it's so cheese, though. You have to appreciate the cheese. Yeah. I see. I just love it because of how much the movie wants you to fall in love with this antihero. Like, okay, let's, let's. He is working the runway this whole movie. Oh yeah, no, he's giving me like blue magnum nonstop <laughs> in the fucking face. But I will say in 2000, 2001, whenever I finally saw it, uh, finally, whenever I watched it as a, a little boy, I ate it up. I thought it was so fucking good. I, I, you know, like like everybody who saw this movie, I thought I discovered it because nobody else was talking about it, and I made everybody I knew watch it. And uh, you know, years later, revisited it, and it was like, ooh, not as much as I, not loving this as much <laughs> as I thought I did. And maybe it's just because of the brand of Vin Diesel now. Even for a fourth one to come out soon, it's not gonna be the same no. Riddick we ever saw. It's no. just Vin Diesel. As, a, you know, Vin Diesel under a different name. And that's not a bad thing. Like, Vin Diesel's great at what he does. I So I, I haven't seen any of the Fast and Furious movies. 
He's in those, right? Yeah, he's in those. Okay. <laughs> I had a minute, I was like, oh God, did I make a mistake? Uh, yeah, th- those are his movies, yeah. <laughs> so. Family, man. Uh, the, as far as I've gone is I rode that ride at Universal Studios and I was like, oh God, oh God. <laughs> that was a fun ride. Oh, there were so many phone calls. <laughs> yeah. It was a it was a long line. They pretended like we were able to walk right on, but it was just a ride of lines. Bizarre. But yeah, so I I don't have a like a vision painted of Vin Diesel. Like Riddick is my Vin Diesel. Like pitch black Riddick is my Vin Diesel. Okay. Uh fun fact, weird fact. Mm-hmm. Did you know that when they re-released the DVD sometime in the 2000s, they retitled the movie No way. Chronicles of Riddick. What? Pitch Black. Oh. Yeah. To make it part of the saga. Interesting. Whereas, like, this movie was supposed to be a standalone film. Yeah, I And then guess. they chronicles of Riddick it. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Mm-hmm. I understand the choice. Like, when you want a Google results, you need Riddick to show up. You need Pitch Black to show up when you search Riddick. I just, when I see that, I think of almost, like, what if they hadn't made the mistake of calling uh, Halloween H2O... Just H two O, and then when all these other Halloween movies are coming out, they're just like, "Fuck, we gotta." What do we do? Uh, just tack Halloween, and then twenty years and later, and then twenty years later, <laughs> <laughs> and some guy was just like, yeah. like at the other end of the table, was just like, "Oh, guys, I got an idea. What if we did all of those titles?" <laughs> it's funny how much that comes up on this podcast. Not the drug doing, but the the ridiculous title of H two O. It's crazy. It's very good. It's it's a lot of fun. It's one of my favorite things in horror. <laughs> it's the closest we'll ever get to a real title that is almost never fan stop, written? never it's, stopping. So it, it's literally almost like um, fan fiction, that title, because like nobody's calling it H2O. And then like, oh. Everybody called it H2O. Yeah. I was a little let down when we didn't get an H4O a fish. <laughs> yeah, that would have been so cool. I used that hashtag for a real long time. Yeah, so did I. We're, we're all still calling it H4O. The monsters, though. I feel like we haven't talked about the monsters. No, we haven't. Yeah. There are some awesome moments in this movie where the monsters are on full display, especially where Buddy gets sort of, like, lost by himself, leaves the group, ruins all of their lights like a super nice guy who's been drinking wine for three days. (laughs) Yeah, but he has, like, the wherewithal to be like, hmm, I wonder how scary my death's gonna be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was such a good moment. (laughs) (laughs) You know, pulls out a lighter and just blows liquor into it and just this, oh man, he's just like in the middle, like the eye of a hurricane, but the hurricane is made out of flesh-eating monsters. It was good. I like it. It's 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 in every trailer, so everybody's seen it. But So, and then there's those bits where you're watching it as an adult and the first big instance that we get to see the monsters, they're swooping into the sky and it's super terrifying. They look like 5,000 bats, but everybody's like knows their flight pattern already because they're like get down okay stay down okay now it's safe no it's not safe the rules of that are weird but we did gloss over one quick little moment where uh they're all just like oh my god this is so terrifying i'm so scared and we cut over to riddick and he just goes beautiful oh my god How can you not fall in love, John? <laughs> well, it's because he's one of them. He is also a nocturnal animal, oh, right? Because he can see in the dark. Yada, but that's yada. the poetry. Because uh. he's he's halfway between the monsters and the humans he wants to be part of. Or does he? Does he just want to live in the dark? Where the monsters are. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I'm just like 
Power Man 5000 music just fades in while Kim's describing this movie to me. <laughs> Can you? <laughs> this is what it's like when worlds collide! <laughs> oh, do you have any more parables you want to get to? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one thing I did want to mention about the monsters, this is also another Riddick thing. <laughs> sure it is, of course. Um, when we get that full bird's eye view of the bat shark's head span. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and Riddick's like, blood, blood spot. spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. How does that work? Yeah. Whatever. I'm so glad he got to flex that blind spot muscle, though, at the end. They slipped that in real elegant. And then there was a monster behind him, so it didn't even fucking matter. <laughs> it didn't matter whatsoever. <laughs> oh, boy. Surely to God. And, like, maybe they already have. Don't get me wrong. Maybe the third movie, they go back to this planet for some strange reason. Or he, like, encounters one of them in the zoo. And he's like, I've seen these guys before. In the zoo. <laughs> and, but I would think the fourth one has to come back to this planet at some point. Oh, they, they, it has to. Yeah. Maybe we find out they're, like, intelligent or something. And he's got to, like, issue a citation to one of them. <laughs> You've been served. It's like, like a it's a Chronicles of District Nine where he's he's there to evict them all. These animals aren't regulation. <laughs> because I mean, the only logical path for you know I haven't watched any of the Riddick movies, but now that he's not a criminal, he's going to follow a how, path in how the are law. You, wait, wait. <laughs> it's gonna become Chronicles of Riddick. Riddick, space lawyer. Oh boy. You, I, uh, so I'm almost positive the Chronicles of Reddick is basically just like a Magnificent Seven sort of story, right? Where it's just like a bunch of baddies come in and then they're like, we got to go get somebody to help us. And then he's like, I can help you. And then he gets there. He's like, I lied. I'm underqualified. But then he saves the day anyway. That's like the Meg. Kind of. That's literally the plot of the Meg. He's like, I don't do that anymore. I just drink in Maui or wherever you pick me up yeah, from yeah, in your yeah, helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go kill a scientific discovery. <laughs> Oh, good <laughs> This is why we don't normally watch action movies, guys. Because we just can't do it. It's impossible. They're oh. fun, though. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, this movie was a fucking blast. And, you know, I'm so happy I saw this when I was 12 years old because I don't know if I'd appreciate it the same way now. No, no. And the, the weird thing is it's so odd to watch a movie that I loved as a younger person. But seeing it now as an adult, it does not tickle any sort of nostalgia button. <laughs> like, it's like, at no point am I just like, ooh, yeah, I hate it, but it's so good. I'm just like, I don't know why I'm they the made these I'm the complete opposite. I'm just like mashing that button. <laughs> uh, it was good. Oh, boy. I think this is the perfect time to ask you how you rate Pitch Black. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, well it's... <laughs> also, it's a bummer the fry dies at the end. It still doesn't make sense to me. I like it because it's just like this stupid, futile decision. Like, ah, yes, we don't like Reddick if he's tied down. <laughs> There's only three seats. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going to give this a one and a half out of four. Oh, I'm so glad. Okay. Oh, okay. oh no, it's not good. Good. But yeah. it is a joy. <laughs> Thank you. I, um... Were you worried? Well, now I got to reevaluate. I thought you were going to be like, four out of four. And oh, like, no. And I was like, I guess I got to defend a two out of four. Like, But yeah, like I think 1.5 out of four is oh, yeah. kind of where I'd rate but it. But I'm smiling. I'm going to give it the two out of four. Like I decided. You're going to, okay. I didn't mean to. <laughs> but, <laughs> but before we sat down, I was thinking Would about it. Would you like, like to mash the nostalgia <laughs> button? I'll just slide it over to you. I don't have one. I disconnected it. <laughs> You've been off on that nostalgia button ever since Stranger Things. You've been like, I hate that we've manufactured reminiscing. 
Well, yeah. And that's another argument we'll have another day. <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. It's It exists. People like it. It's here to stay. Side note, I think getting a t-shirt that says, Nostalgia, it's here to stay, is a great t-shirt. That is a good shirt. Yeah. All right, two out of four. I, you, I guess. Yeah? Like, that's what I decided I was going to give it before we sat down. I, mm, <laughs> being polite, I don't know. Like, I just feel weird being like, oh, you, you I'll, I'll just say what you said. Like, whatever. I decided two out of four before we sat down. It's got some great monsters. It's got some cool kills. That's fine. That's so, that's cool. I guess this is, uh, yeah, whatever. This is going to be interesting to listen to when I'm just like praising the movie and you're like, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, that's been the whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc let's move on let's talk about another movie that centers around another prisoner who's just as rough and tumble. And it's also space. Yes. Let's talk about John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. It was supposed to be a routine prisoner transport. Williams was arrested on the suspicion of murdering six rail workers. The bodies were hung and decapitated. But here... A million miles from home. Hello? Anybody here? Drop your weapon. I ain't going back. They're about to discover nothing is what it seems. We got a situation there. Everybody in the mart's gone inside. What the hell is going on out there? Whatever used to live here, we woke it up. It takes us. I'm talking about a kind of possession. Something's kicking out there. We need us, and we need you. None of us is going to survive if we don't stick together. Come on. Time to stay alive. Second time I saved your life. Yeah, run a town! From the Master of Terror. John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. Damn, girl. I like you already. So, Ghosts of Mars from 2001. Currently sitting at a 4.9 out of 10 on IMDb. 21% on Rotten Tomatoes, 35% on Metacritic, 3 out of 4. Sorry, I pre-read that Roger Ebert rating. (laughs) 3 out of... Oh my god. 3 out of 4 from Roger Ebert and a 2.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Yeah, you know, Ebert likes a good ghost story. (gasps) Woo! 
Oh no, oh no, oh no. So, small interruption there. I <laughs> spilt my coffee. <laughs> but it's fine. We're back. Um, so I was reading the writings. Roger Ebert really liked this. Roger Ebert really liked it. That's cool. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. I knew nothing about this movie. You've never seen it. Well, I have now. Yeah, uh, well. I, <laughs> I had never seen it. And I didn't even know it was a John Carpenter movie, which you yeah, didn't I, know that until halfway okay. through. <laughs> okay. No, I did know because it said John Carpenter and it was like, bwing, 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 at the beginning, <laughs> which is, this has to be a lie because we saw John Carpenter live and I'm sure there were some Ghosts of Mars something, right? There was, yeah. Yeah. So in my goldfish brain, Ghosts of Mars did not exist. Yeah, but this was probably a spot where we went, like, you want to get another beer? Yeah, let's go get another beer. Because it's just, it's just, you know, just like, chung, chugga, chung, chung, chugga, chugga, chung, chugga, chung, for two and a half minutes. I loved it. And then they do it again in the movie, and again and again and again. And it's, and it's just a riff rama Every time there were bad guys, it was just like, <laughs> it was almost like copyright safe metal, which I was about. You and I listen to different types of metal. <laughs> It works for the movie. Yeah? Yeah, it works. Yeah. The fact that there's never any singing, like they never use any actual No, that's songs. what I'm talking about. Copyright safe. It was great. So weird. Well, the whole movie too exists on a set. It's a full faux Mars set. and It's a shame they couldn't shoot on location for this movie. <laughs> Shut up, John. <laughs> um, but <laughs> in similarity to Pitch Black, they just decided that we wanted to do a space without any space helmets or like legitimate space gear. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's 84%. Like terra- yeah. Terraformed <laughs> Mars. But it, it made it look like a bunch of people were just running around on a Mars set. So much so that it felt like it was a Mars set from another film. And it was like, oh, we got two weeks till they're going to tear this down. Let's let's film that Ghost of Mars script that we've been shopping. It was weird in that it felt like they had such limited time that we had to keep going back on the story to rewatch oh scenes that we God. had already seen. We do that a lot. You had a really good observation, though, too, which I think leans into the quality of it, is that they're all wearing pleather. Oh, yes. So, like, not only, like, we have unbelievable sets, but, like, we don't even get believable... Costumes. Gear. Yeah. They're wearing like kick ass trench coats. Trench coats of the law. <laughs> trench coats of the law. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. The way the the way the info is relayed in this movie is bizarre though. And you don't see this a lot anymore where like, oh my god, this person arrived and her entire crew is missing and we gotta interrogate her and to get her get her to debrief us on what happened. Uh, and like the Annihilation. whole movie. I didn't say it's, you never see it. Okay. I just said you don't see it a whole lot anymore. <laughs> um, and, you know, in movies like Annihilation, they do the smart thing of not jumping back to that room a thousand times. We flashbacked every moment. Every of character her flashes trip. back. <laughs> She's like, so. <laughs> there are so I met up with Jericho, flashbacks. and Jericho told me, and then we flash back to where Jericho's telling her what's going on, and then we flash back through Jericho's thing to to Jericho's storyline. Like Jesus Christ, it was an inception of stories. I, I did, yeah, I did not care for that. So, yeah, the main plot. We're gonna we're gonna get right into the to the ghosts of Mars. Back to the past, Sergeant Melanie. Yes is on a space train <laughs> to a section of terraformed Mars, yeah. like a colony, with her squad of pleatherettes. Yeah. <laughs> Pam Greer and the pleatherettes. Pam Greer and the pleatherettes. I like it a lot. I do like it. Yeah, and, and Pam Greer is actually the, the captain, right? Like, yep. she's the boss. Oh, yeah. 
for you about three minutes. You can't cast Pam Greer and make her second in command. It's true. It's impossible. They're on their way to this mining community because they're going to pick up Desolation Williams, who's wanted for everything under the sun. And they finally got him this time. He's lost it. He's gone psycho. He's killed a bunch of people. So they're going to take him and they're going to bring him back to like the main Mars base where he can be put to justice. In this matriarchal society, which is very important for us to know. <laughs> yeah. Matriarchal. Yeah, Mars is matriarchal. Women can be bosses in this society. It is not preposterous. I love that in, even in a matriarchal society, Jason stays. Jason, Jason, mm, Jason Statham's character, Jason Statham's character, is still like a womanizing asshole. <laughs> he, why is she not giving him citations for sexual assault? Oh, he's British. Oh, it's so cute. She, that was a good impression. Right. She has the power because she's she becomes first in command when. Pam Greer's head is found on a stake, which we'll get to. Well, I mean, now seems like a good time. Pam Greer dies. She gets her <laughs> head put on a stake. But she's, like, they go to... In- <laughs> With a very, very little fanfare. They go to investigate a car, which seems very uneventful and just, like, random in that it was already there. Like, I mean, set-wise, not necessarily plot-wise. And she just disappears even though we're watching three different perspectives following her and it's just like pam greer walks away <laughs> yeah that's that is the really weird thing this movie so they show up to town everybody's gone it's, it's very very empty which yeah. makes it look even more like a set yeah and then it's uh, yeah and then at some point they also you know they find a bunch of dead bodies and they got to figure out what's going on but you're on the money here because we keep shifting perspectives so much but it's not like there's one central disaster where we need several vantage points. Yeah, it's, it's not the day after tomorrow. It's no. empty town yeah. in Mars. Yeah, yeah, three people converge on a car where somebody's locked themselves in and is trying to kill themselves inside that car. And for some reason, we need to know how every single we gotta character got... We gotta get in there. Got, yeah. But then, no, we don't really. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then Pam Greer's like, I'm gonna run off and see what's going on with that person. Never comes back. No, oh, and, but doesn't run back. off, like, walks off slowly. And I would say that, that Vin Diesel, or fucking... <laughs> I would say that Jason Statham is only, like, ten paces behind her. Yeah, it's nuts. He can see her. So they're there to pick up Desolation Williams, who's one of the only people alive in the colony because he's also in a jail cell. Uh, which, you know, ha-ha, safest place to be. <laughs> so we learn. Yeah, because there are several other people who are also locked up, including one person who demanded to be locked up after <laughs> flying into town in a hot air balloon. Uh, yes, that is in this movie, and that... that is that is the I'm pinpointing. I'm putting I'm putting a pin down. Is that was the moment that I became on board with Ghost of Mars? Well, it's also before where... then I was like I don't know, <laughs> and then as soon as there was the hot air balloon, I was clapping. I was just like, oh boy. This is gonna be great. So bizarre. It's such a weird choice. And it really sparked our shared theory. It's your theory, but we, we both built on it throughout the rest of the movie. Like trying to back oh, it yeah. up, find evidence for it that this is a Mars Martian retelling. We have retelling. no evidence. Just this this balloon. <laughs> this is a Martian retelling of the Wizard of Oz. And uh Sergeant Melanie is our Dorothy character. In fact, the movie begins with her being woken up. In a daze and relaying what happened, which may be maybe a dream, right? Is mm-hmm. where we're at. Now, the only thing we can't figure out is who the fuck is the scarecrow, the tin man, and the lion. We spent the whole watch trying to figure out who was gonna be who. Yeah, now like, the, okay, who needs the brain? Yeah, that's exactly it. And the problem is they're all dumb characters. <laughs> 
they're all they're also all stupidly courageous so like that that's box is already checked i don't know who needs courage like the new girl because she's shy but don't you think the characters that we we think represent the lion and the tin man should make it out at the end like she gets sliced and diced at the end of this movie well she's the only one that needs to make it out at the end technically oh sorry you're talking about melanie yeah oh i thought you meant the the other girl the one from the faculty no she's i think she's the Wait, hang on. Who's the one that needs the courage? The lion. Okay. Yeah. Melanie is not Wendy. What's her name? Dorothy. Dorothy. Yep. And Dorothy's the only one that needs to make it out of the end. And Ice Cube is Toto. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So we did think Ice Cube was maybe Toto because, you know, like Alice in Wonderland style chasing after the white rabbit. Toto fucks off at some point. Oh, now we're on Alice in Wonderland. And No, I'm going back. Toto fucks off at some point and Dorothy's like, Toto, come here. But I think he has to be the Tin Man or something. He's got to be. Because he needs a heart. That's and so true. Because he he's a cold motherfucker, right? he's a like, killer. And with um, Wizard of Oz, Tin Man needs to be degreased or like oiled up to be broken out of his I'm metal prison. And that is you. To tra- start moving. <laughs> and that's them breaking him out of jail. Damn, girl. I like you already. Well, one thing we know for certain is that, like, the Marilyn Manson-looking guy is definitely the Wicked Witch of the West, uh, and the possessed people from the Martian are the monkeys. Are the monkeys. <laughs> he really does look like Marilyn Manson, like Marilyn Manson in his beautiful face. Um, maybe that's just me. That is just you. That's just me. Yeah. Okay, let me show you this poster again. You let you tell me whether or not you get some like heavy Marilyn Manson vibes from these eyes staring back at you. Okay, fine. Yeah. Oh, all of a sudden, it's Antichrist Marilyn Manson. Okay, I fair. get it. All right. If Marilyn Manson was like eight feet tall and built. Yeah, that's not his brand. Um, <laughs> if Marilyn Manson was trying to do the Scorpion King from The Mummy. From The Mummy Returns? Yeah. <laughs> Where he doesn't say a word. But he's very. And he's 99% CGI. He, you know, uh, I would. If we o- can call it CGI. I would only believe the Scorpion King from The Mummy Returns if you told me it also existed in the Toy Story universe. Because he looks like a t- like a shiny toy come to life. <laughs> Something that that bad kid makes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like slams an action figure into a scorpion toy and is like, there, I made the king. <laughs> so fan theories aside. It's a hot air balloon. It's solid, guys. It's, Rock solid. I think so. I mean, there's dust storms. The demons are essentially the tornado that swoops everybody up. Sorry, I'm building up this theory still. I mean, Mars is kind of like Kansas. Okay, off the theory. Off yeah, the theory. Okay, it's it's gone. We mentioned it. It's out there. We'll build we'll build upon it later on Twitter. Um, <laughs> do you know much about the making of this movie? I know nothing. I, I know oh, absolutely so you, nothing. Okay, so. This was supposed to be... So Desolation Williams was supposed to be Snake Plissken. This was supposed to be another Kurt Russell movie. It was supposed to be Escape from New York, Escape from L.A., and then I think the plan was... Mars? The plan was TV show, three seasons, Escape from Earth, which led to the movie Escape from Mars. Yeah, yeah, that was the plan, at least. Okay. That was always what they talked about. Escape from L.A. did not do very good. All those plans fell apart, and then the script got reworked for Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> and, like, when you think about it, there's a lot of backstory. Desolation Williams is supposed to be the coolest, baddest son of a bitch around. The bad guys in this kind of just look like the bad guys from Escape from New York, to be perfectly honest. Like, it fits in the same universe. 
And uh, could you not imagine a guy with an eye patch running around Mars with just like a vest on, shooting people with big silver guns? No, I I, I bought the ticket to that movie. I'm yeah, there. It's I'm in front row. That kind of makes me sad though, because I was really, really into the premise of this movie. Okay. I know the movie's cheeseball silly and kind of awful, <laughs> but the premise is brilliant. In their mining, they let out these, I don't want to say ghosts, because that's... Demons. Yeah, which are like spores almost, and they, they get inside you, and they infect you like a plague, but the plague happens to be a possession. Yeah. Which is so fucking wonderful. These people become possessed. It's almost like a sickness that takes over you. It's like if zombies were demons. Yeah. Which is fucking great. And the fact that they're possessed by aboriginal type demons, like they're natives, Mm -hmm. and they don't have verbal communication, and they're using bones as tools. And There are too many scenes, though, of him giving speeches to the troops. Oh, and he's like, <laughs> it's like Simlish, like all of a sudden this is the weirdest version of Sims that you've ever made. Well, and that was another argument too for my um, Wizard of Oz uh-huh. theory because uh, when Vin Diesel discovers them, he's looking over them on a hill when they're like, oh, we, oh, we, oh. Oh, that's right. And when we run into those other three guys, Desola- Desolation Williams gang, it's that that's the Lollipop Guild. It's the Lollipop Guild. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I just want to point out, you call Jason Statham Vin Diesel again. I Hilarious. keep doing it. It works every time. It's fine. <sighs> it's because they're just like competing bald action heroes. <laughs> There's there's only three that can fit in my heart. That's a tough racket. And I've already talked about <laughs> I've already talked Who's about the, the Scorpion. King. I was gonna say so. Like, <laughs> is the Rock the third one? I got them all in. Um, I do want to say while we're while we're talking about Jason Statham overlooking the OEOEO, um, the Demon Ghosts of Mars. Yeah. He hides in the most ridiculous spot possible he is a trained officer of the mars law oh isn't he trying to hide between the heads on spikes yes there's just like about eight or so heads on spikes one of them happens to be pam greer it's how we find out that she died on her walk yeah (laughs) he's ducking down and like reporting back to his team in those stakes he crouches down by the heads as if a head on a spike is going to hide him or that they'll just look over and say, oh, nothing to see here. Just, just a bunch of heads. head with a body on it. Oh, that's funny. Like, oh, I, we forgot to spike that bald guy. I also love that the demons, like, modify themselves. They they cut themselves and they put pins and shit through their faces. Well, because they got to get their war shit going. I, is that it? Because I think it's also just that, like, they've been spirits for so long. And, like, either they, they don't feel. feel something. Or, it, or the pain fuels them. The pain is also sort of punishment. Like, they're, they're modifying this body because they don't care about it. Mm. Like, they're tricking this body out. I think that's far out. too deep for this movie, but I like it. Yeah, Yeah, I just thought the premise was amazing. The premise is great. How does that fit in with the escape from New York theory? Was that? Do you think that's just something that was added after the fact? Oh, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe because those movies aren't that supernatural. No, no, no. They're more post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Which I don't want to get off on a tangent about the escape new movies, but uh, but yeah, I don't really know how how this one would have played into it. Like, what was changed i'm sure we could probably find an original script somewhere like maybe it was just always a concept maybe they didn't actually have a script written but i mean i'm sure it would have been great i'm sure it would have been 
awesome. And it still is okay. Like, it's still fine. It's an interesting movie. It's There's a lot of weird choices. Well, yeah, because after, so after we discover Pam Greer is dead and that there's some possessed monster people, they decide that, okay, we're going to take all the people that are in holding cells and we're going to get to this fucking train. We're just going to shoot everybody we can and we're going to get to the train. One of the guys is possessed who's in the prison who we discover because he's having a little fit in there and that's how we learn that the spores or that the ghosts are spores ish and they transfer yeah they're trapped inside a person and uh and when the person dies they leave and go into somebody else yeah and so then it becomes assault on precinct 13 where they're holed up in the prison and the ghosts of mars have created a battering ram (laughs) yeah you know, at no point do they try and decide, like, what we need to do is drop a net on them. Like, they never decide that they need to trap them and stop them from dying. Because they're just like, shoot them! Kill them dead! It's like, well, first off, there's more of them than you. And as soon as you shoot them and die, they're yeah. in the air, man. They got there's, nowhere there's to go no but inside plan. you. There's no plan in regards to just immobilizing them. You know what would have been fucking great is a scene where they have... They're up against the ropes, but they've barricaded themselves in a room. Like, let's say a prison cell. I don't know. doesn't really matter. The point is, they are safe. The bad guys are just, like, mere inches away. And, like, okay, we can regroup. We can reload our guns. Maybe get a sword out. But we've got, maybe not the upper hand, but we're still alive. And the bad guys look at them and grin. And they all just slit their throats. And then they just go through the <gasps> bars and infect them. Like, why didn't, why wasn't that a strategy? Like, all we need to do is get close, breathable distance, and then kill ourselves. Hmm. Like, oh man, but I just got all these spikes in my, my knuckles the way I like them. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to go Just got my bone in my ponytail the way I like it. Yeah. Like, they just kind of hang out in these bodies until they die, and then they just, like, float on down the, the train track to the next colony. Oh, boy. That's a ticking time bomb. Like, this is the end of Mars, guys. <laughs> But so luckily during this um this showdown in the jail we we get an elaboration on the on the plot of of the origin of the ghosts of Mars because lucky for us the patient zero <laughs> should yeah. be patient zero is that woman who flew in on a balloon <laughs> and locked herself in the jail Yeah even she knows that that's not really a good place to be right she knows, like, she even says they've been going from colony to colony, just destroying everything in their path. She's been outrunning them for a while now. Because in her flashback, she is, they they unearth this tomb sort of thing. And she- How fucking, let's, let's be real though. How fucking scary would yeah, that be? Yeah, we super spooky. Right? You're mining, you're digging a tunnel on Mars, and all of a sudden there's a door in the side of a mountain? Yeah, and it's Fuck. like real well done. It yeah. wasn't no Egyptian tunnel excavation shit it was sanded and smooth and parallel lines which and corners. I, d- I don't understand because when we get a flashback and we see this primitive culture i say primitive yeah like, like they weren't making parallel they, they weren't using geography they kind of look like geometry turtles like they don't they're not human they're like monster looking things it's just like this thing couldn't hold a pencil like it's not gonna make a nice wall <laughs> But so she is the one that actually goes in this tomb. She's in the very front and she pokes down the metaphysical barrier and then lets out all the the red ghosts of Mars spores. And she just runs away <laughs> and is not infected. She's like, ah, old wind. This looks like it could be bad. 
only enough space in my, in my hot air balloon for one. <laughs> she and saves nobody. Her plot, though, is amazing because then she just ends up in this jail. She's like, this is the best place to be. Having a nap. <laughs> Gonna rest up until the demons get here. And then she slept through the entire slaughter. Oh, It's a good movie. It's got a few different messages, you know what I mean? Like like any John Carpenter thing, it's very anti-government. It fucking hates cops. This movie hates cops. Uh, but also, maybe drugs save the day? Like this There's a lot of subtle drug use without any sort of moral message onto it. No, it's just like, aha, uh-huh, this guy cut his thumb off because he was too high. And then also, uh, oh, this character and is- And everybody in- like laughs. Yeah, <laughs> everybody like, has ah. a great time. <laughs> You're an addict. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Like, wait, what? Well, and also the the head, like Melanie, she has her yeah. own stash of drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, which is what saves her life. Yeah, this movie is about prisoner transfers from drug addicts. It's it's like, oh, who's the real bad guy here? Me, the murderer, or you, the, the opioid user? <laughs> but yeah, like she... For whatever reason, they're just like, oh, it'd be a shame if she had to die sober. So they, they give her a pill. Yeah, because she gets the spores in her. Yeah. Which we know from the POV usage with the red lens. Did you like it? I did. Yeah, I figured as much. Uh, yeah, so, and then, like, she's and having a weird And they just dump her trip. outside. They're and like... the demons can't handle their high. So they, they just, like, we're, we're evacuating this one. <laughs> it's no good. And then, she, yeah, then she's fine. I don't know if it killed the demon or if the demon would just like went somewhere else to just sleep off that hangover, but she was able to get back in and everything was cool. Which really leads me to believe that all they need to do instead of shooting everything. Everybody needs to be high. Just do a bunch of fucking drugs, get off this planet and go back home. Get really high and stumble over to the train. Done. It's just a regular Friday night in the city, really. (laughs) Gotta make it there before last call. What's nuts is that they get away and they're like, no, oh my God. we gotta go back. That was the weirdest. But then, yeah, she's she uh, she rolls in. Everybody dies. You know. So yeah, they, they, they they're about dies. to make it out with like 80% of the people intact. Everything's great. And they are on the train with the conductor and his assistant and they're like, woo, going home. And then they pull a Yui so that they can go blow up the monsters or whatever. With, yeah. You know, we don't need reinforcements. We don't need evidence. We don't need to tell anybody what's happened. Nope. They go back, and then everyone dies. <laughs> Every single one of them, except for except for Melanie and Desolation. In quick succession, like in running to the nuclear plant, people just get shot down. Oh fuck! Do you remember that scene where Ice Cube's brother dies, <laughs> and his other comrade was like, "Hey man, did your did your brother make it out? And he goes, nah, man, he didn't make it. And he goes, oh, oh God. God, and then dies. <laughs> but like, uh-oh, you know, you thought you saved the day, but you can't destroy ghosts. You can't kill a ghost. They just walked along that track to where you were at your okay. main head base. So mm-hmm. you're explaining this like it makes sense. Oh, okay. We cut forward, and she's just like waking up. Again. In a bed, and there's just chaos sounds outside. There's just the sounds of chaos outside. And she just suits up like it's another day. Ice Cube is there. With cool new guns. Because he's just like, hey, we're about to do Good Cop, Bad Cop again. (laughs) Season two. Come on. Tide is up. Time to stay alive. 
and they just walk into it. Like, that was just the expected to happen. Why did they go back with the nuclear plant thing? They killed everyone. Yeah, they would have more people to fight this fight. People who understand those monsters. Oh, man. Tisk tisk. They do look like badasses, though, in their pleather with their new guns. It's They're, like, cool walking line. off to, like, the sounds of chaos that we're going to assume is Ghosts of Mars. Oh, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. If you ever want to come to the other side, you'd make a hell of a crook. You'd make a hell of a cop. <laughs> nah. Let's just kick some ass. It's what we do best. What a weird movie. It's, I had no idea what I was expecting, but... It's a strange one. Was it space? I guess. Cool special effects, though. Which is why I'm giving it another two out of four. Oh, my. Okay, so we did not talk about how much stuttery footage there was. Every scene had eight cuts in it oh. where a character was inconsistently ten steps ahead or three steps ahead. And then we would just fade into another take. Yes. <laughs> that, yeah. And there were like 1,200 fun wipes. That was a lot. There were so many wipes. Okay, so I'm going to give Ghosts of Mars also a 1.5 out of 4. Yeah, there you go. It's got great monsters, though. Just like Pitch Black. I really want to read up, though, on the Wizard of Oz comparisons because... It's a fact, uh-huh. and I would just like to um, have somebody validate that for me. I'm going to go look and see if other people thought that. Nothing like finding a new bubble to stay inside. But those are just our opinions. That's what we thought of Pitch Black and Ghosts of Mars. Let us know what you thought of both of these movies on Twitter at NOFS Podcast, on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Nightmare on Film Street. We're on Instagram at Nightmare on Film Street. Surprise, surprise. Also, of course, in the Horror Movie Fiend Club on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. If you liked this episode, there is a ton more bonus content over on Patreon at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. Exclusive stuff. Drive Home from the Drive-In reviews where we review movies right out of the theater. And other fun rewards like shoutouts on the show, tweets, merchandise, all kinds of stuff there. Head over to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street to support us. I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay, Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 